Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense for knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So today I'm super excited to connect with Rob Jacobs, who literally has just picked up his life three weeks ago and moved across the United States. So I appreciate his time today. So thank you, Rob, for saying yes and getting me in your busy schedule. Absolutely. Thank you for reaching out to me and and asking me to join you in in this discussion, and I'm certainly happy to be here. Well, please tell us more about yourself, because the little bit that we had chatting before we uh, started hitting record here, I'm really excited about where we can take this today. So tell us about yourself. Yes. So I am originally from Maryland, Prince George's County, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., Um, That's where I grew up, and that's where my family, that's where they are today. Then I moved to North Carolina for college and really enjoyed the state. So after college, I stayed there for quite a while, and I I made North Carolina um, my home for for a bit, I guess kind of off and on for 10 to 15 years. Then, really as of a week ago, I moved to Los Angeles, California, uh, I accepted a job uh, working for uh, Brookway Stables as the assistant trainer, and that's a job I really have been hoping for and, and dreaming about for probably 10, 10 plus years, but just the, the timing and the opportunity never really presented itself, so I, you know, it hasn't happened, but, but now it has. So that's what I do now, the uh, competition-based farm, so we travel a lot, we travel about 40 weeks a year to different shows throughout the country. We were here in Thermal for two months. We traveled to some really, really, really nice shows. We come east for uh, Devon and, and Indoors and, you know, all the big shows east. So it's a, I'm really looking forward to developing this, this opportunity with this farm. And also, I teach an online class, an equestrian online class, for St. Andrews University. It's just uh, one class. And then I also work part-time for USHJA in their development department. Then I also give what I have sort of coined the term opportunity clinics to to equestrians. So I usually have my hands full, but you know, I, I don't know I would want it any other way. Well, and it was your house of opportunity that I read about in an article on Facebook, probably, that maybe said, oh, I need to talk to him. I need to talk to him. (laughs) 
this is the guy I want to talk to. So can you expand on the House of Opportunity and, and what led you to, to develop it and get a little bit of uh, awareness out there to inspire others and to, to possibly get you a donations? Who knows like what this can lead to? So can you give us more information about your House of Opportunity? Yes, absolutely. I started the this nonprofit a pretty short three three and a half years ago, and just out of a necessity of realizing that there are more people in the equestrian community who grew up like I did than I think you know I probably realized. So it was an attempt to connect with those like myself and to also give back to the sport, and so. Basically, what I do is I travel to different farms um, throughout the country, and I give uh, typically hunter-jumper clinics. So, you know, we call it the forward system of riding clinics, and and there's no set fee, which is probably unusual. Most clinics uh, on the East Coast, at least, can, you know, go from anywhere from 75 to anywhere from $300, uh, depending on the time, is it a private or not, depends on who it's with. But so when you take that price of anywhere between $75 and, and $300, you know, that, that can be pretty significant to some people. And that may be a, a factor that prevents them from being able to do it, uh, as I know it, it was for me growing up. So I just, I wanted to create something where there wasn't a set fee where, you know, no one could say no, they can't do it for financial reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can't do it, it's for another reason, you know, like right. they're busy that weekend or whatever the case may be. So there's no set fee. So a, a rider, a participant can donate whatever they can donate. You know, it can be a, a small uh, fee or a small amount. It's collected and and then they ride. And one thing, too, that I always like to remind people of is, you know, when I'm uh, out there teaching the clinics throughout the day, you know, that the money isn't handed directly to me. It's, it's usually collected from the, by the host farm. So I, I don't know who's donating what amount, you know, and if there's a check written that has someone's name on it for their donation, you know, then I'll get, I'll get that at the end of the day. So I, I really treat everybody. I give them the, the time and the attention that they need individually mm-hmm. and not based certainly not based on how much they donated, you know. So if there's a, a rider who, you know, needs a little more time to understand a concept, then they'll get that time, whether they donated $5 or whether they donated $500. Lovely. So that is the, the gist of it. And and I, I just, uh, you know, truthfully, I have, I feel more fulfilled after those clinics, the opportunity clinics, than I do when I do a, a clinic. Uh, I had a, uh, a farm of my own years ago, and uh, and I would do, you know, for-profit clinics where I would charge about $150. And, and for me, when I did those clinics, it was just business. It was just business. I was just coming in to provide a, a service and collecting, you know, my, my check and then going home. Right. And I just, I, there was, little to no sense of fulfillment when I would do, when I would spend all day uh, doing those types of clinics. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know that I want to do this for the rest of my life and walk away and feel like this. 
So, so the opportunity clinics have really given me a chance to become even more for, fulfilled in a sport that I already love. So I thought, well, what if I just did away with all of my for-profit clinics and just, you know, the only time I do clinics is with this, you know, this model, this opportunity model of, of having it be donation-based. So that's what I decided to do. Lovely. So as far as the host barns are concerned, they are providing the horses and the riders provide their equipment and everybody just shows up at a designated time and off we go. Is that how, how the logistics work? Well, I, I sort of let every barn decide based on what they have the resources to offer. Okay. Decide uh, how a little bit how that goes. So some barns are 100% boarding barns right. where they they would love to have me come in and they have, let's say, 10 to 15 boarders. And, and so then in those cases, they are all privately owned horses of, of riders who may be local level riders that board their horse at, at whatever farm. And then other barns may be more like uh, riding schools and, and lessening programs where they maybe only have a few boarders, you know, one or two or three, and but they have, you know, 20 lesson ponies and lesson horses. Right. And then their lesson students would then, they donate the host barn, you know, donate the, the ring for the day and donate the use of the, the, the lesson ponies for, for their students to, to ride. And then so it's opened up to, you know, the, the riders in the, in the riding school to use their lesson ponies. And, and so it really just depends on what resources the host barn has access to and, and how they generally operate. But yeah, you know, it, it a little bit was a dream of mine when I first started this to, you know, the, the, logis- the logistics behind it sort of made it well, tricky to do, but a dream of mine was to, for, for this nonprofit to have horses, you know, to have, you mm. know, five to 10 horses and we could take the horses on the road, you know, and, yeah. and ship five horses, you know, up and down the East coast to these barns. And those five horses would add to what the host barn already had, you know, in terms of, of horsepower. So, right. you know, if there are packers, saints of horses, you know, the nonprofit could, you know, if there was a, a rider or two that didn't have a horse and the and the lesson facility didn't have the horse or the capability, then, then I could bring them, yeah. you know, just again, to just to open up doors and open up opportunities for people. Uh, we aren't there yet. And the logistics behind that don't allow that at this point. But that was the thought of mine, you know, so well, we'll and- see. Sometimes the way that those thoughts work is that you just needed to verbalize it and then other school barns would just connect with the host school barn and ta-da, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We don't always You're control right. We don't always control how the manifestation of the desire happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So it'll be neat to see where all this goes. So shifting gears a little bit, how does intuition come to you, Rob? Like, how does it show up in your life? Well, it, it shows up in different ways. Sometimes it's uh, a feeling. Sometimes it's like a, a little uh, whisper. Sometimes it's something that 
it seems to be a coincidence, which I don't know that I totally believe in coincidences, but, and it's, it's just a, a, almost a subtle knowing that, you know, I'm supposed to do something maybe at a specific time or a specific moment, or maybe just in general, it just really depends. And, and so that's usually how it would come to me of, oh, this idea that wasn't probably my own idea was given to me by, you know, what I believe is our creator, Mm -hmm. Uh, this idea or this thought or this, this uh, feeling was given to me. And, you know, I think this is what I'm supposed to do or say or or become. So it comes a little bit that way. And um, as we were chatting a little bit ago, prior to the the call, uh, I was saying, you know, uh, the past five years, I am probably learning uh, that different things or stages of things come at, at different points. And, and for the longest time, I thought, okay, if I'm led to do something, surely I'm led to do it for a long time, you know, 10 plus years. And what I've had to, what I'm currently learning is you may be led to do something, but maybe you're only led to do it for a time shorter than what you originally thought or even hoped. And so I'm learning to find some peace and, and some, uh, and sort of learning to be okay with, okay, this didn't, this didn't go like I wanted it to go, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't led to do it or experience it. And so uh, it's just fascinating how things work sometimes. Yeah. I'm so glad you share that because we do, as humans, I find, attach our own, our own filters, our own expectations on this thing called intuition, and we don't necessarily allow for the timeline of God, like you say. We don't necessarily think that, oh, this delay is happening on purpose, or that this, this pause is intuitively led, or that I'm actually learning something when I'm not doing something and yet it's so true we do do things that seem unrelated but are divinely led and and then you know six years later we realized we met somebody that we needed to know six years later you know it's i find it fascinating to experience in hindsight so true yeah yeah it is fun so do you have any stories to share in terms of how intuition has showed up in your life in terms of anything from your recent move to to something that happened that led you to the horses and all this delight like anything you'd like to share with us yeah i mean i can think of probably several things but the the most recent was obtaining this job that I currently have so uh, and, and, and it sort of you sort of touch, uh, in a funny way touched on you made this comment a second ago you said you know sometimes you meet people that you you're not totally sure how or why you met them in terms of you know how this how that connection will will help you down later in life but um, a, a friend of mine who's now a friend of mine I met probably I'd say I think it was actually, I was working for, I had a 
summer, I had a summer internship in college, and I was working for a farm up in Pennsylvania. And we went to the Devon Horse Show, which was my first time ever going. And that farm didn't have anybody showing, but the farm was so close that we went as spectators um, that year. And, and I met a friend of that trainer and very outgoing, extroverted guy, just, you know, almost typical horse person. And so that was probably back in 2009 or something. And so then met, met the guy again or, or um, worked with the guy again later in life, you know, maybe five years ago. And, and, and then just fast forward to recently, uh, got a call. And this is at a point where I, I knew that things w- weren't exactly working out as I had hoped with my uh, last job. And I'm thinking, oh, uh, you know, and, and I got a call from him and I'm thinking, oh, you know, this guy is, he knows everything. And although I haven't really told anybody that I'm going to need to find another job, I'm sure he knows and I'm sure he's calling. And, you know, so that was kind of my thought process. So I was not going to answer the phone just because I really didn't, I wasn't in a place where I wanted to really talk about it yet. And I wasn't really looking yet, but he, he called and I thought, I'm not going to answer it. Right. And I wasn't going to answer it. <laughs> but for some reason, my thumb pressed accept. <laughs> and as I pressed accept, I thought, oh my God, what, what, what just happened? happened? Yeah. I was not going to press accept. So I thought, well, crap. No, I have to say hello. <laughs> so so, so we, he actually called for a very different reason. Uh, we work, uh, we do a little bit of uh, consulting together on, on a project that USHJA has us working together on. And, and that's actually why, why he was calling. But, but it's a little bit on the off season up for that project. So I, I thought, sure, he's not calling about that because, because there's no reason for him to be, but he actually was. So we, we talked about that for a little bit, and then just out of the blue, like for no no real reason, and I'm trying to remember exactly how he phrased it, but he, he just for whatever reason just mentioned that uh, Archie Cox, who's my, my current boss, uh, sent him a message looking, looking for an assistant, and I thought, and, and this is a little bit this guy's personality. He kind of, you know, he can jump from one thing to another. And, and that's just how he's wired, that's how his brain is. So it wasn't surprising that he jumped to that. And so he did. And he said, you know, do you know anybody or are you? And I thought, well, oh, well, you know, <laughs> let, me, let me actually share with you a little bit of, of the predicament I'm in. So, so that was just a fascinating not a coincidence, as I, I don't, you know, like I said, I don't totally believe in coincidences, but it wasn't a coincidence that I somehow answered the phone, and I certainly was absolutely not going to answer the phone. So that wasn't a coincidence. And then it also wasn't a coincidence that he randomly brought that up, because I certainly was not going to bring up, I wasn't ready yet to bring up the fact that, you know, I would probably be searching for a, a new job opportunity. And so we talked about it, and he said, well, you know, I'm going to text him right now while, while you're on the phone, wow. and I'm going to give you a recommendation. Wow. And, and so, so it just, that was an interesting moment that, and I just think back, you know, you know, I really feel like I'm a really good fit for this job, and I also, you know, know that this is the type of job that I've really wanted to have for you know, 10 to 15 years, I just really thought it wouldn't 
be possible. So I just, I was happy. I was very content and very happy doing other things. But, but yeah, so that's just a fascinating story that I wanted to share. Honest to God. I mean, if that wasn't handed, honest to God, listen to me. Yes, God. <laughs> like if that wasn't handed to you on a platter, talk about, uh, you just had to be, you just had to be nudged a little bit. <laughs> that is so cool. That is so cool. Like, it's funny how our ego makes us resist the flow sometimes of, and, and yet we will still be, you almost can feel the push from behind or you can almost feel like something took over your thumb and said, no, no, you need to take this call. Like, it is really neat how we do land on our feet even when we when we're, feel like we're stumbling along in life. So I uh, thank you so much for sharing that, Rob, because it is it is kind of cool how you didn't really want to get involved. And then here's this gift on the other side of the phone. My God. Beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty uh, remarkable that, that that happened. And, and I thought, well, oh, my goodness. What would happen if I didn't answer the phone? You know, because I probably wouldn't have, because he didn't leave a voicemail, and he always leaves voicemail. So, uh, or, or he, it was such a, I mean, say it this way, it was such a small thing he wanted to talk about, he probably would not have left a voicemail, and he always leaves voicemails. And so, I, you know, would I have called him back? Would he have called me back? It's true. Uh, I, I, think, I think probably no. I think it was such a small thing that he wanted to ask and talk about, I think he, it probably just would have fell by the wayside. And that would have been, that would have been a missed opportunity, you know. And so I think about that, too. And so it's just, it's almost like, you know, it's like, nope, you're not going to miss this opportunity. Your <laughs> thumb is going, I'm going to drag your thumb over to accept, and you're going to accept that call. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Very cool. Well, and we've all had those moments where just the awkwardness of life makes us want to cocoon and not like we're not ready to process what we need to process sometimes. And then events happen or people show up and you're faced with it. And really those things are gifts and silver linings and whatever else you want to call it. It's like this COVID thing. It's got so many fingers of uh, silver linings in spite of all the darkness that is around it. I feel for the people that are struggling with loss and having to work in frontline conditions that are scary. But there's the other side of the coin where people just have to stay put or, or be a little bit more and garden or connect with the earth in some way or go inside in some way and and we're gonna come out of the cocoon better i think so and your situation of doing all this in covid is uh is another kind of like what that just happened so it's kind of fun that there's this balance going on in the world of of such wonderful things happening at at the time when so much negativity is happening on the news, I guess. So thanks for sharing your joyful situation. The world needs more joy. Absolutely. Well, this has been fantastic, Rob. I think we've 
we've covered so much in a short time, but I would love to check back in with you in a few months and just see how things are unfolding. Yeah, I would love to, and I'm, I'm excited to work more with this new job, but also excited to see how and, and what contacts I can make on the West Coast to, um, you know, find maybe some local barns on the West Coast and, and maybe even in the Midwest to bring the Opportunity Clinic to them. And, and what, I've, what I've done is I've always sort of looked at my schedule and found time or made time to, to host the Opportunity Clinics. And so um, over the next few weeks, that's what I'll be doing is pulling together my availability and, and seeing, you know, how, when and where I, I may be able to go. And so it's, I never had a reason really to do an opportunity clinic in California other than what, what I have now. So I'm definitely going to seize the moment or take advantage of that opportunity while I'm here. And, and maybe I can have an impact at, at some barns on the West Coast. So that'll be that'll be neat as well. Well, I'm sure that uh, your network just is about to get expanded. So, well, uh, well, I'll do my part. <laughs> I will. I would love to share what you're doing. So, thank you again for today. I really, I really appreciate getting to know you better. So, I'm excited for what's to come. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Until next time, Rob. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.